welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, it's Jessica. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You have stumbled upon episode 182 of the show. Holy moly, that's a lot of episodes. Um, I am interviewing an amazing guest today. It's Brooke Romney. You might know her as Brooke Romney Writes Online. She is a writer. She's had several articles go viral, and one in particular talking about asking your kids, did you have fun? That's the one that really stuck out to me and trying to reframe the way we teach our kids about life experiences and that it's not always about fun. Um, She has boys just like I do, so we talk about that. She's just a delightful person and I learned so much from this conversation, including how to help struggling readers. And she has compiled book lists, especially for boys, because that's what she's dealing with in her home, for boys and what they might like to read. It's just such a great conversation. You're going to love getting to know Brooke today, just like I did. So let's get to it with Brooke Romney. All right. I want to welcome Brooke Romney to the show. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. We're doing great over here. I'm really excited to speak with you as well. I came across your article about asking your kids all the time if they had fun a a while back. When did you write that article? That was probably almost four years ago now. Okay, so, I okay, I felt like it was a while ago, and then when my friend Stephanie, our mutual friend, um, said, "Oh, you need to have Brooke on," and she told me a little bit about you, I thought, "Okay, that's it. That that's the connection point." I heard about that article, I read it, so I'm really excited to dive more into this topic, not only of your writing and what you've written about motherhood, but also we have some some similarities, including we're both boy moms. <laughs> So we'll talk about that. I love it. I love it. So will you just give a little background on yourself, Brooke, for people that may not know you? I would love to. So um, right now I live in Utah. Um, We've actually lived all over the country. Um, After I graduated from college, we moved to Virginia where I worked for a congressman on Capitol Hill for a little while. Um, And then I had my first baby. After that, we moved to Arizona and then ended up in Michigan for a little bit and moved back to Utah. So um, I'm a writer. I graduated in English, and I've always loved to write. While I was in Michigan, I started a blog called Mom Explores Michigan, Mm. and I helped moms find fun things to do with their kids and places to go and things to do. Um, When my husband's job brought us back to Utah, there were already lots of people doing that very well, and I didn't see a space for myself, And um, but I missed writing. And so... I decided to try and write something a little bit more personal, and it was a scary, scary thing. I think it sat on my computer for a couple weeks before I hit publish, but Mm -hmm. that was the Why We're Taking the Fun Out of Life article. Um, It went really well, and I thought that maybe there was something a little deeper that I wanted to share, and it took a little courage, but um, since then, I've been writing um, on my own blog, and I write for the Deseret News, which is a newspaper out of Utah. I write for them a couple of times a month, and then I also do a lot of business and political writing, which I enjoy. That's so awesome. Okay, we have even more in common. I've lived in Utah, I've lived in Virginia, and I've lived in Michigan. And I live in California right now. You haven't done California, have you? (laughs) Well, my in-laws are from California. 
Okay. So we spent a good amount of time there, too. Okay, that's super awesome. Where in Michigan did you live? We were in Ann Arbor. Us, too. Get out. This no is crazy. Okay, we'll, we'll talk Bye. later. People don't need to hear all this, but um, this is so incredible. I love that, and I love how it wasn't just a straight shot to get you where you are today. It's kind of like in each season, in each location, it kind of took a little different turn, but you were always intentional about pursuing your passions, and I love that. I think sometimes in motherhood, our own passions and our own goals can kind of take a back seat. So what would you tell people that are struggling with that that pull between, you know, wanting to be an intentional, present, good mom, but then also pursuing their own passions? Well, I think it's really important that moms feel really secure in the fact that if their passion is motherhood, then that's okay too. Sure. I know a lot of people when I ask them, you know, so, so what do you like to do? And they're like, oh, I'm just a mom. And I want them to know that if that's what you love and that fulfills you, then that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to feel badly or that you're shortchanging yourself because of that. I've met so many women that I admire so much for just the way they do motherhood and the contentment that they can feel in raising a family. Um, And so that's the first thing. But if you are somebody who does like other things and needs a little bit more to be fulfilled, that's also okay. And when I had really little kids, um, and there were no blogs back then, I'm a little older, I tried to just write in a journal. I Mm -hmm. kept reading. I kept doing things that fulfilled me and that I loved. And then as the time came when I had a little bit more time to devote to something else, my husband actually started traveling for work Monday through Thursday. And I found myself watching a lot of television after the kids would go to bed. And I thought there's got to be something more to life than putting kids to bed and watching TV. Mm. And so I started um, hanging around on a blog and started giving some recommendations for things that I liked. And I found that I loved that, and that was a part of me that needed to be fulfilled. Um, when Even when I had little kids, I did some side writing jobs for some businesses and some political things that kind of kept my foot in the door. And so if there's something that you love and something that you need, continue to pursue it, even if it doesn't make you money, or even mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel like you're doing it the best of anyone out there. You don't have to be a blogger with 100,000 followers. If you love to write, write. Mm-hmm. If you love to craft or create, create and don't let yourself be limited by the fact that you're not making money or that you're not the best go ahead and do those things because it's important to be fulfilled in motherhood and just as a woman and as a person oh i could not agree more and just because you're not making money or getting noticed or doing big things in the beginning it doesn't mean it can't turn into that or it doesn't mean it has to turn into that um i love the idea of overlapping the season you're in and what's going on in your current life in that present moment with pursuing some of those things. So like I knew I loved podcasts, but like was I really good enough or expert enough at anything to like speak on it? But then I became a mom. I haven't always been a mom. I haven't always known or been able to speak about motherhood. But now seven years in, I can and I am. And so just kind of overlapping, um, you know, with with where your life has taking, taken you and kind of what your passions are in this season and the hand you've been dealt, diving into that. So whether it's you have a child with special needs and so you become more invested in that community or motherhood or cooking or whatever it is. I mean, just where, where do you kind of naturally fall and then what can you do in that space? I think it's a good place to start. Yeah, I love that. I think sometimes we stop ourselves because we see that someone else is already doing it Mm. or somebody else is better than we are at whatever it is, cooking or creating. And 
I don't want that to let, I don't want that to stop anyone. Right. Because what you're doing is fulfilling for you. And whether, like you said, whether there's a hundred thousand people listening or watching or viewing what you're doing is not what's important. It's the fact that you're growing, you're learning, you're becoming who you're supposed to be. Exactly. And you may not be the best cook on the planet, but guaranteed you're the only person who can impact your neighbors through your hospitality if you invite them into your home. You know, and so we all just have this sphere of influence where oftentimes we're looking way too far outside of where we are right now and forgetting the forest for the trees because there's people right around you that could really benefit from your time and your talents if you're looking to get outside of your family. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that's so important. I think, you know, there is so much good that can be done right in your own, own cul-de-sac. And oh, sometimes yeah. we're not always aware of until we really kind of push ourselves out of our comfort zone. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So you are a boy mom. How many boys do you have? I have four boys. Uh-huh. Um, the oldest is almost 15, and my youngest is almost six. Amazing. So let's go back to early motherhood for you. What did you envision for your family, and kind of as you became a mom in those early days, what was it like for you? Was it what you thought it would be? Well, I have to start out with the fact that I was the person that didn't really want kids. Interesting. And so... That was a little bit of a hurdle. I never liked babysitting. When, you know, nieces and nephews came over, I wasn't all that interested. And, um, but then I felt like it was time. It was time for us to start a family. And so I went on faith and hope that I would be able to figure it out. And I had my first baby. And we lived in a little tiny condo in Virginia, far away from all my family and all my friends. And I'd been working up to that point. And so I had him and he came into the world and he cried for three hours straight in the hospital. And the nurses were like, I'm not sure what's wrong with him. And so he was rough. It was really hard. The, The good news was, is because I wasn't around anybody else, I just thought this is what babies did. I mm. thought babies just cried all the time and that you had to hold them and sleep with them and entertain them all day for them to be content. And so that's what I did. And I have to admit, I was not, um, I was not very natural. I remember when my mom left after 10 days, I had to pull over on the side of the road because I just was crying and crying and crying thinking, I can barely put a diaper on this kid. Who, who trusted me to raise this boy all by myself? My husband had a really intense job and he was gone and commuting a bunch. And I just thought, who thought it was okay to send this baby to me? And the great news was, is that somehow I figured it out. Um, we figured it out together and it was, it was a long and hard and emotional year. Um, but the love and the selflessness that grew out of that year was something that I never experienced, that, something that I never planned on figuring out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was wonderful and difficult and all of those things. And so I actually didn't have a lot of expectations of motherhood because I hadn't ever really even thought of myself as being a mother. So I was flying by the seat of my pants and <laughs> it ended up being a really great year when I look back on it, but the, the days were long. The oh, days yeah. were long. The days were hard. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's fun to look back 15 years later and think of all the growth that's happened since then. Absolutely. It is the most transformative thing. And if you think about it, I mean, 
having a biological child, you're not required to take any classes. Sure, sometimes you take the birthing classes and stuff, but really, those don't really help that that much for most of us, you know. It's kind of instinctual, and it's kind of awful. But that that aside, I mean, you do more training working at McDonald's than you do being handed a baby and like, okay, good luck, and they're each so different, and I had a very hard first child as well, and but I was like the babysitter and a teacher, and I thought, I can do this. Oh, my God gosh they just never stop they never stop and so it was so hard but it's amazing how you just you just do you just go into this doing mode of like okay they're crying I need to do this I'm tired but I have to keep going and it's just unlike any other job description ever and you had some high profile jobs where you were very capable and so what did that kind of do to your confidence when you felt like you didn't know what you were doing? Because previously you'd done things very competently. And that was a struggle that I had. It's like I was good at things before motherhood. And now I feel so not good at this. Well, I um, I felt like all the skills I had developed up to that point were not very useful. Not transferable, so yeah. <laughs> with a baby, I, I didn't know how to cook well I didn't know I wasn't a great housekeeper I wasn't a decorator I didn't really have any like small hobbies that I could do from home and keep in mind this is before really the age of the internet Mm -hmm. um it had just started but we still had to there was no google yet I'll put it that way there was no google there were no blogs there was no mom I could look to I just had books that I could read and um the great thing about that was I became a mother intuitively through trial and error on my own. And I didn't have someone to look at or compare to. And I was pretty um, isolated even where I was. There were a few moms that I knew in my um, neighborhood and they were super sweet, but they were on different stages. And so I was trying to figure it out by myself and it was hard. It was hard for my confidence. I felt like I should have learned how to swaddle a baby instead of write a paper at this Mm. point. But one of the things that I have to emphasize is that nothing that we're good at goes unused in in motherhood. Mm. Though the, the gifts and talents that I had maybe weren't perfect for a newborn stage, there were great things that I could do as the boys got older. And I think one of the best things that, you know, my education and some of the training that I've been given was the confidence to know that I could figure something out if I didn't know how. And as I tried and figured it out, the most forgiving people in the world are our children. And I did lots and lots of things wrong, and I did lots of things right. And they're so forgiving and they're so loving that they somehow make you feel like it's all going to work out. Right. And as forgiving as they are and have proven to be, sometimes we are the least forgiving of ourselves, and that's where we get stuck. Are you like that? I feel like sometimes I dwell on the negative or something that I don't do well or don't do right. Sure. I have a little, so when I was in Virginia and all alone with the baby, it's funny because I kind of thought I was good at stuff. Hmm. I I was watching trading spaces on TV and I was starting to figure out how to decorate and I was reading recipes and trying new recipes and I was reading books about babies and I had all these fun little learning games that I'd started and I knew I was good at reading so I was reading to my baby and kind of felt like I was doing things right even though he was crying a lot and then we moved to Arizona and it was a much more homogenous area that we were living in and we were in our home in a neighborhood with lots and lots of moms that were in my stage and 
as I started going to their homes, I started thinking, oh, wait, I'm actually not good at decorating. This girl is really good at decorating. Oh, wow. She knows what's going on. And I would go to someone's home and she'd have four kids and they were all doing good things and being helpful and playing together. And I could barely hold it together with just one. And I thought, well, maybe I'm not a great mom. And this lady has four kids and she's totally fine. And I can't even take a diaper out of my house and put it in the garbage. I was comparing myself to all these people who were doing things so much better than I was doing them. Hmm. And all of a sudden my confidence started to drop. And I started thinking, oh, wait, no, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at cooking. I'm not good at decorating. I'm not good at taking care of kids. I'm not good at disciplining. I'm not good at any of these things that I thought I was good at. And I think what happened was I started comparing. And when I was all alone doing it on my own, it was frustrating and lonely, but I wasn't comparing. And as soon as I started comparing myself to these other people, that's when I started thinking I wasn't as good. Wow. And so, um, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and you think like isolation is the worst, but then you, you get thrown into an environment where there's just a surplus of people to compare yourselves to. And instead of being inspired by them, you're feeling inferior. Yeah. We've all been there. We've all been there, whether it's online or in person or in your neighborhood or at school, we've all been there. So how did you, how did you fight that? Well, it took me down for a little while, and I started to just feel badly for myself. Mm -hmm. And um, after a couple of months, I realized that I was no longer being the person I'd always been. I wasn't positive. I wasn't happy. I wasn't confident. I wasn't excited. And I knew that something had to change. And so as as I prayed for answers about what, what I could do, how I could be different, um, what I really wanted was I really just wanted to be the best at everything. That would have solved everything for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but unfortunately, that wasn't the option. And as I prayed, what I realized was I had these amazing opportunities to learn from mm. some of the best of the best that were around me. And so instead of feeling badly about myself, I started asking friends for help with decorating. And I started learning from them. And um, I started asking moms, like, what do you do in this situation with your kid? And I started getting different ideas that shaped the way that I mother and discipline. And I started getting recipes from people. And I still use those Mexican recipes from my early mom Arizona days that are some of our family's favorites. And then I started realizing that I could bring other things to the table. While I didn't have those great um, noticeable talents as a young mom, I was outgoing and I was willing to get people together. And so I started utilizing things like that. I started park days and walking groups. I started one of my talents when I was younger too, was being a friend Mm. and I started being friends with people and I started bringing people out and going on walks with them. And instead of wanting something that was measurable as a talent, I started to be grateful for what I had and then learn from the people around me. And Today, I'm still not the best at any of those things, but I've gotten so much more competent and comfortable with all of those extra motherhood things that have made my life and my family's life a little easier and more enjoyable. I love that so much. Just because the gifting you've been gifted does not belong, you know, on a categorical Pinterest board, it doesn't mean you don't have things to offer. Being a friend is huge, and that's way more. And being hospitable, that can be way more important to somebody in need of a friend than somebody who knows how to cook well or decorate or throw a killer birthday party, right? Right. Yeah. It, it, was, it was 
so fun to be able to bring all of our talents and gifts together and realize how much more vibrant life can be when we're all doing what we're great at. Love it so much that somebody's going to need to hear that today. And that is really going to empower them to, to do what they're good at, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. I was thinking, um, a couple months back, I interviewed Betsy Keller, who was a surrogate for Kelsey Nixon. And, um, she's like, I always wasn't really sure what I was good at, but I realized I had easy pregnancies and deliveries. So when she needed to have a baby, I thought, well, maybe that's my gift. Maybe I can do that for her. So the things you don't even think of as, you know, a gift or a talent can be used as such. Not that you need to carry somebody else's baby necessarily, but whatever it is for you, think about just what what lights you up? What are you naturally good at? What comes easily to you? And how can you use that to benefit others? Beautiful. Yes, simple. Love it. love it so much. Okay. So as a boy mom, four boys, I have three. What is the number one question you get when you're walking through the store with four boys in tow? Or, or when they were littler, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you trying for a girl? Mm-hmm. Maybe the next one. Maybe you'll get your girl. Are you going to have another? A girl? And right. what do you say? I'm curious. <laughs> well, I usually say our hands are pretty full right now. I think we're pretty happy with our four boys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Exactly. We we're really happy. We're really happy with our four boys. Yep. And, you know, I know that some people feel um, offended by the question or like people are telling them that their family's not complete without a girl or, you know, all of those things. Uh-huh. And I choose not to feel that way because... In all honesty, if we're all being honest, I think most mothers and fathers see themselves with both genders of children. Mm -hmm. If you're just projecting into the future, you imagine that you will have girl and boy and that you'll be able to raise both. Sure. And so I think it's just a pretty natural thing for someone to ask. And are there times when it's a little bit sad? There are times when it's a little bit sad. I'm going to be honest. You know, there's when it's a mother-daughter thing and I go by myself. Right. there's a little bit of like a heartstring, and I know that my husband feels the same way that when there's a daddy daughter dance, but that's something that he's not going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. But instead, we choose to think of all of the things that our family gets to do with four boys. And we have, my boys have turned me into somebody I never expected I would be. I was, uh, I was the dancer, shopper, you know, makeup kind of girl, and um, they have knocked that right out of me. <laughs> and turn me into somebody that I am really enjoying being. We love to be outdoors. We love hiking. We love adventuring. I've, I'm a great sideline supporter of sports. They laugh at me because they don't think I'm good at that many things since I'm so uncoordinated when it comes to athletics. But, <laughs> but they do appreciate um, my desire to be there for them and cheer them on on the sidelines. So, you know, I just think it's it's important to be grateful for the family that you've been given and try to find the best best parts of that. And, you know, as my boys get older and, and I think about it and I'm thinking that I'll never have my own daughter have a baby. You know, I'll mm-hmm. always be the mother-in-law of right. the girl having the baby. And so there are things that are sad. And I think that it's okay to say that. It's yep. okay to say, yeah, that, that's going to be a bummer. But I'm, I'm determined to be a great mother-in-law in the future, so... I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I feel the same exact way as you. And when people say that to me, I say, well, if I wanted another baby, I would have another baby. And whether it's a boy or a girl, I would want that that child. It doesn't matter what gender it is. I love my boy's relationship. I think it's so, so special. And I think it's so great what you pointed out that 
whatever you're dealt, it transforms you or has the capability of bringing you to this new version of yourself that can be your best self, you know, and, and can take you into new hobbies and new interests and new points of view. And my boys have done that same thing. Soccer Saturdays are so fun for our family. And I would not have that opportunity, you know, having it any other way. And it would be Every family has that that special dynamic, regardless of what the genders are. So I think that's yes. really important to point out. Like we're good, we're happy, yes. we're fine, yes. we're good. Yes. But uh, yeah, I think of that too. Like the wedding dress shopping and having the baby. Like girls kind of always have the dibs on family. So yeah, you're always kind of taking second fiddle. But I always say my job is to raise the type of boys you want your girls to marry, right? I and I think that. that's a really yes. important calling to raise really gentlemanly noble boys and men with good values that know how to treat women and know how to be sensitive as well um i think you know in the past there may not have been that amount of intention on those types of qualities versus just making them tough and doing like the stereotypical type things those things does a husband not make you know like not always it's there's a more holistic view. So are there things that you're intentional about teaching your boys, um, especially having only boys in your family, as you're looking to grow them into strong young men? Yes, we have a family motto that we created quite a few years ago that kind of encapsulates who we want our boys to end up being. And it says, the Romneys do hard things, put others first, live with gratitude, and follow Jesus Christ. Mm. And I think that is a motto for boys or girls, no matter who I'm raising, that's who I want them to be. You know, I want them to be the type of people that don't stop when something is difficult, that try to pursue who they are supposed to be, um, and that they can push through, push through when it's difficult. Um, I want them to live life selflessly, um, focused on others, and not centered on money, financial gains, prestige. I want them to focus on others. Um, live with gratitude. I think gratitude is key in enjoying life and finding happiness and joy in where we are. Um, one thing that I've learned is things don't always work out like you thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. And the real trick is finding happiness in the moment and in the position that you're in. And then the last one is to follow Jesus Christ. And for our family, that encapsulates everything if they have a love of god and a love of others like jesus christ did then they will find intense joy no matter what their situation is Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how we we go about parenting and we try to keep focused on those four important things as we raise our boys oh i love that yeah we have a family mission statement as well that we came up to together and it's the way that we want to think about things and the way we want to make other people's feel and the way we think about things truly does dictate the way we behave and when you can focus in on what does your individual family value it can really just change everything for your kids if they're just doing whatever they want on a day-to-day basis with different priorities from each other you know it there's less unity but when you can get on the same page about what's most important in life according to your family that's really powerful I agree. It's, mm-hmm. It was really helpful for our family. We came up with it at a time when we kind of felt like everyone was struggling with a purpose. Like we mm. just weren't really sure. We were doing kind of the day-to-day things. And it really helped focus my husband and I on what's the most important thing in this moment. What are we trying to teach? What are we trying to, you know, 
be an example of for our children and it helps our decision making process it helps what we choose to do with our time all of those things it makes life a lot more intentional absolutely so tying into that you wrote an article about asking your kids did you have fun and the idea of creating a fun life for our kids and kind of pushing back against that tell me what you wrote about in that and kind of conclusions that you came to well, it was a couple of years, about four years ago, like we said, and um, my kids were saying their prayers, and every single one of them said, please help us to have a fun day tomorrow, and a fun day the next day, and I thought, wait, what are our priorities? You know, why are we always praying that we'll have fun? Mm. And um, then I started to reflect on who I am, and I'm a, I'm a naturally happy person. So most things for me, and I feel really grateful for this, are good and fun and happy. And so when my kids would go do something and they would come home, I would say, hey, did you have fun? And when they would leave, I'd say, okay, bye, have fun, you know? And some of my children do not share that same personality trait. And so they would come home from something and I would say, was it fun? And they would say, no, it sucked, you know? (laughs) I would think, okay, well, then what's wrong with this activity? What's wrong with what you're doing? Or I would say, they would come home and I would say, was it fun? No, it's boring. And and as a mom, wanting to create this wonderful life and this magical life for my children, I would think, okay, so why isn't it fun? What can we change? Who should I talk to? What can we do to make this fun? Mm. And then I got this realization that sometimes things aren't supposed to be fun. When you go to scouts, not every activity is going to be fun. Hmm. You're going to scouts to learn new skills. Um, When you go to school, not every day is going to be fun. You're going to school to learn. Um, When you go to, sometimes even when you go to your friend's house, was it fun? No, we just wanted to do everything he wanted to do. Well, sometimes that's part of being a friend. Mm -hmm. And so I really reflected on what I've been teaching them thing and what I was focusing on and we had a really good discussion about the purpose of life and the purpose of life is not always to have fun and the purpose of every activity is not to be fun at school you're supposed to learn and if you choose to make learning enjoyable and sometimes if you get lucky and your teacher chooses to make learning enjoyable then it can be fun Um, and the same thing with every activity sometimes you go to basketball practice and it's really really hard and you end and you feel exhausted and tired and you don't feel like it was very fun but you were learning new skills and you were becoming better and as I reflected on life and some of the experiences very few especially rewarding things started out with the purpose of being fun Mm. they were fun at the end of it it was fun to master something it was fun to be good at something it was fun once I had learned something but the process of learning the piano is not fun Mm. but playing a song from the radio that you love is very fun And so we just talked about how lots of times the process isn't fun, but what is fun is learning and growing and being great at something. And so I tried to change my questions to be more intentional. Um, When they got home from school, like, hey, did you learn anything cool today? Did you make a new friend? Did you put a smile on someone's face? Instead of shifting um, the responsibility to whoever is creating the activity to make it fun for you, changing the responsibility to them to get out of their activities and their life and their experiences, what they really should be getting out of them. So 
I have to admit, I wrote it four years ago, and I still find myself saying, have fun. <laughs> and so it's it's a long process, and sometimes I forget about it, and um, and then I go back to it. And I think that's what life and motherhood is all about, is, is doing our best in each individual situation. But it, it was a shift in thinking that has changed things for the better for our family and for my children. Sure, and you can still slip and say, have fun, because fun is fine some of the time. But if that's the sole focus of your goal for your kids and wanting to adapt every activity and every chore and everything to make it the most fun, it's just not realistic. I mean, I never like cleaning my house, ever, ever, ever. But I love it when it's done. I love it when it's done. So sure, you can find ways to make it a little more fun or a little more desirable, but that's not usually what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking how fun this is when I'm doing it, right? And so so the reality is as the kids get older, no one is that interested in making anything fun for them. That's true. And so if their expectation as a 16-year-old is that they're going to go get a job and that it's going to be really fun, they're going to be sorely disappointed. Mm. And so to tell them, yeah, we're cleaning today. And I'm not making a game and we're not going to have a prize. We're just getting stuff done. Sometimes that is really beneficial to developing a character that they'll need to have as they get older. Right. And imagine if a four-year-old or a six-year-old or an eight-year-old had that perspective that sometimes you just do things to do things or you go places because it needs to, you need to go there, um, not just because it's what they necessarily want to do or it sounds like the most fun thing to them. If they knew sometimes in life you just do the thing, then when they're 16, and you're right, they have that job sweeping after – you know, whatever, wherever they're working or whatever it is, they can realize like, it doesn't mean that the job is terrible. It just means that's part of the job, right? Yes. Yes. As my kids have gotten older, I have found that that is such an important lesson to teach, even as they're little so that they don't have those expectations because it's really hard to keep that up as they get older because fewer and fewer things are fun Mm -hmm. as they get older. It's true. And so, and then the fun things become really fun. Right, they really appreciate those extra special above and beyond water park days or water balloon fights or special things that are out of the ordinary because it kind of separates versus everything trying to be constant entertainment for them. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so some of the questions you said saying like, did you make a new friend or tell me about what you learned or things like that, showing that there's different ways to look at things. Are there other questions that we can be asking our kids? Let's take, for example, like after school. You pick them up from school. The tendency is, hey, did you have a good day? Did you have fun? Okay, yes. what can I say instead? <laughs> yes, so after school instead – We like to say, hey, did you learn anything new today? Okay. Did you learn anything new? Or tell me about the coolest thing one of your teachers said. Mm. Um, We also like to say, did you make a friend? Did you make someone smile today? Mm. So, you know, all of those questions are a little bit better. Plus, they start better conversations than did you have fun. Mm, I love that. And so have you noticed a difference in your kids being able to handle the mundane versus looking for constant entertainment in things? Yes. Um, when I, you know, with my first child, I really felt like when he said something wasn't fun, that it was up to me to figure out how to make him enjoy it. Mm. And if that was, maybe I could come and bring a treat or maybe we could go do something (laughs) right after as a reward. And when I stopped doing those things and it got to be more just regular life, he did a lot better. And then he realized that when he came home, 
from scouts and said it was dumb, that I would say, oh, well, it doesn't sound so dumb. It looks like you learned this. That's pretty cool. That's cool that you know how to start a fire now. It kind of ended his um, rant of complaining or trying to get out of something because he knew that I didn't care that he didn't have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I thought it was important for him to go and learn something new, which he did. Yeah. So it really, it really helped um, our relationship, I think, too. Sure, absolutely. And so many times we want our kids to think like we think. And so sometimes I can tend to overspeak. So one time I was giving my child like a long explanation about something. And I'm like, right, Parker? And then he's like, well, I stopped listening after you said such and such. And that was like three sentences in. So I think it's really important to be concise. So if we're instructing them differently about how to think about something, not going on and on and on about it, not trying to win them over to our way, but the consistency with which we point out that they still had value in going to scouts or, you know, doing that homework assignment or going to the friend's house they weren't super stoked about or whatever it was, being concise about it and being like, well, it sounds like you really made them happy by, you know, doing what they wanted to do at their house, even though you missed out. Done. But my tendency yeah, would love, be to keep going. <laughs> but that's that hard. Idea. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, you write about the whole gamut of motherhood and life and everything on your on your site. But another thing you really talk a lot about and write about is, is the importance of reading. And right now, I just have emerging readers in my home. And so as I'm trying to instill these practices, when they're still not very good at reading, and so sometimes it can be discouraging. Like my second grader, he's not the best yet. And he's, and he, you know, he just, he still struggles. And so he can have a problem with stamina and things like that. What would be your tips to really engage your kids in reading early on or even later on? Because sometimes we develop bad habits that take us, you know, way too late. And we're like, gosh, my kid's 13 and they still don't like reading. What are some things you do in your home to encourage reading and, and a love of reading? So I love to read, and one of the things um, that I thought was really important was to instill that same love in my kids. Mm -hmm. And so I just assumed, like most moms do, well, I'll just get all kids who love to read because I love to read. Sure. Um, (laughs) But that just isn't true, and we know that. We know that sometimes that is not what happens with motherhood and with life. So one of the things that I did, that I tried to do from an early age with my kids was to make reading enjoyable. And I know that some kids don't enjoy reading, and so there's a few things, there's a few tricks. So my first child was a little more of a reluctant reader. He didn't love it as much as um, I hoped he would. So I had to do a couple things, and so there are a few things that we did that kind of helped him love or learn to love reading. And Mm -hmm. so the first thing that we did is I always made reading um, a fun thing. And one of the ways that we did that was they could stay up later if they were willing to read. Oh. And so we would have we would put them to bed. And even as little kids, this was before they could read. They could stay up 15 minutes later and they could read on their own and just look at their books. And they loved it. They loved doing that. And so um, that was probably my biggest idea. And then... Um, The other thing that I try to do is I think as moms, we like to push our kids. So if we hear that they're reading at a level D, we want to make sure that they're always reading at a level D. Or if our kids are onto chapter books, we don't want them to read picture books anymore. Mm. And I found that the best thing we can do is let them choose their book, 
for their fun reading time. Of course, okay. they have to do their homework and they have to read whatever, you know, the teacher's assigning. But when it comes time to free reading time, like at night, let them pick their picture books. Let them look through books if they'd rather. Let them look at the almanacs or the world record books or the magazines. Whatever they want to do, it's, it's reading time. And keep it enjoyable. Keep them loving reading by letting them choose their books and let them read down a little bit. Mm. Um, another thing that's hard with boys is I wanted to recommend all the books that I loved as a kid. And they don't like them. <laughs> they truly had no interest in any book I liked as a kid. Mm. And so I did a lot of research on what boys liked. And I found that they liked nonfiction. They liked nonfiction animal books when they were little. Yes. They wanted to read mm-hmm. I know more about dinosaurs and bears and all those animals more than I've ever wanted to know about them because that's what my boys loved reading. And so we read those books. Um, And then once they kind of have gotten past that, you know, I did some more research. And I have a huge list of 100 books that my boys have loved through the years. And go there. Start with some of those. And sometimes they like books that you think are kind of silly, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Captain Underpants, and you think, oh, I don't really want my kid reading that. But to be honest, they will grow out of those books. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. will read those books, and then they will continue reading other books, but only if they love to read. If they don't love to read, you'll have a hard time getting them into any book ever. And so I've really tried to go with my kids' interests. If they're into humor books, we go with humor books. If they're into animal books, we go with animal books. Because now I've got an almost 15-year-old and an almost 13-year-old and an almost 11-year-old, and they actually all truly do love to read. So That's amazing. I love it. So can people find these lists on your website? Yes. So I have lists for helping them love to read. I have lists of 100 books for boys. And then if your boys are older, one of the favorite things I have on my blog right now is if your boy loved this book, then try this book. Okay. And it gives examples in the same genre of things that my boys have loved you know if they loved Harry Potter there's you know 12 more books that they might like 12 more series to get into so there's a lot of good reading resources on my blog so amazing and you yeah thank you for taking the homework out of it for me that's super nice (laughs) I love it that's what I figured one person should do the work right Right, absolutely I'll do something else (laughs) you can do that Oh, awesome. That is such a great idea. I love that idea because I think I found the exact same thing. The other night we were reading and it was just a little beyond his level. So he was getting stuck on a word every three sentences or so and he was just shutting down. And we were not going to hit that 20-minute requirement mark because he was just shutting down. If we just grabbed a simpler book, and actually he did choose that own book, but I could say, hey, would you rather choose a different book? That could have been an option that I gave him in order to continue that time instead of forcing him through a book that was making him feel less than confident about his abilities in that moment. Sure, we could go back over and have like a teaching moment later, but during right. fun time, it should be easy and relaxing and pleasurable um, and fun. Yeah. <laughs> it should be. And that's one of the times. It should be an yeah. enjoyable experience. And you know, even when I've been in those situations with my kids when we're reading a book and they're struggling with a lot of words, I sometimes will just jump in and read it for them. Yes. Because I don't want it to be a stressful situation if it's fun reading time. If it's the book their teacher assigned and we're learning how to read bigger words, then absolutely that's the time that you buckle down. But at nighttime, if he wants to read that book and he's struggling with some of the words, just jump in so he can keep going and make it not a big deal. They need to understand that this reading thing is going to come by 
fourth grade, almost every single child reads well. Mm-hmm. So to make it stressful and hateful and annoying and something they don't enjoy any earlier than that, I think just brings it to something that they think is a chore instead of something that opens their horizons and helps them learn and helps them enjoy life more. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Brooke, this has been so fun chatting with you. I have learned so much and I'm excited to look at those book lists. Where can people find you online? So I have a blog called brookromney.com and then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at brookromneywrites and Twitter at brookoromney. And then there's times when I'm on um, local news shows and radio shows and I can I post those links on all of my social media. Awesome. That's great. And everything will be linked at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com so people can, can get hooked up to you right there. Oh, this has just been so great, Brooke. I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? I would tell my pre-motherhood self that this is a tough question, but um, I would tell her that she is the best mom for her children. And there was a reason that those kids were sent to her. And it is not because she throws the best birthday parties and it's not because she cooks the best meals. It's because she has the innate quality to know how to love and raise the kids that she's been given. And that is something that in so many inadequate moments I have had to rely on. That even though I feel like I am doing everything wrong or that I have no clue what is happening, that the love that I have for my kids can sustain both of us even through the worst times. And I am grateful for that knowledge every single day. And so you can do it. You can get through it because you were sent those boys, those girls, because you are the best for them. I could not agree more. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you for sharing your journey and your wisdom and your resources. You are just incredible. It's just a pleasure to have you on the show today. You're an extraordinary mom. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Isn't Brooke so wise? I learned so much from her, and I can't wait to head over to her website to get that list of boy books so that I can introduce them to my kids. And you're right. The the nonfiction animal books are such a hit. That's what I just ordered from Scholastic in the last book order for them. So she's got it right on the money. Brooke, thank you so much for sharing your motherhood journey. I learned so much, and I am so excited for everyone to hear from you today. And would you believe after we got done recording, we were talking more about where we lived and when we lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the same exact time and have several mutual friends in that area as well. Can you believe that? Our lives totally overlapped and we didn't even know it. So that's super cool. Love this small world. So if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalkus3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. You can find everything we talked about in today's shows, including pictures of Brooke and her family, links to everything we talked about, like her blog and her uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. You can also listen to past episodes there, so that's super fun. Thank you so much if you've been sharing the show. You know how much I appreciate that. I love it when new moms find the show because you have shared. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're loving the show, will you please leave a review? It helps out more than you even know on iTunes. So thanks for doing that. All right, be sure to tune in this Friday for another episode and every Tuesday for in our interview episodes. I hope everyone has an awesome week and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.